Welcome to the First Time Podcast. I'm your host, Tad. And if this is your first time listening to First Time Podcast, welcome. I'll explain it a little bit. Um, Quite often, people ask me for recommendations on movies that are streaming on Netflix or Hulu or Prime or wherever. Um, All the time, actually, I get people asking me. And I actually take time to think of something that I think they would like and, and is of quality and would fit their taste and then they either don't watch it or they do and i never hear back so i thought um now if you're gonna ask me for a suggestion i'm going to give it to you and then you're gonna have to come on my podcast and talk for an hour about it um seems like a fair trade to me so that's sort of this new podcast i'm doing here and today i have a good friend of mine who i think has great taste in music, movies, um, food, just about everything. I think that's probably why we've been good friends for so long, because we share a lot of that in common. And today, my guest is Noah Schmitz. How are you, Noah? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Uh, You know, hanging in there. It's a weird time, but uh, got a little downtime. So I figured I'd start this podcast and, Mm -hmm. you know, thought I would get you on here. Uh, Like I said, we've I I talk to you at least once a day, Um, you know, not in person or even like physically talk, but, um, you know, chat at least once a day and shoot the shit and share memes and talk about music movies. And and so you're a natural guest on here, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and seems like, you know, we basically have very similar tastes in, in movies and I feel like we could probably do a lot of these episodes oh, on sure, on different sure. things. You know, like you've introduced me to a lot of different food over the years, um, a lot of different music over the years. And, you know, we've watched a lot of weird, good and bad oh, movies. Yeah. Uh, and- or just weird concerts like, uh, God, oh, God. <laughs> uh, what was yeah. it? David. Uh, David Liebehart. Yeah, that one. That was a Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we could do like first time we. I mean, we have so many freaking stories. We we don't even need a topic. We could just sit here and tell old stories. But yeah. um, I picked a movie that I one one I really really love this movie. It's one of my favorites of the last ten years. And um, two, I thought you know if there's somehow some way Noah hasn't seen this one, we should definitely talk about it. Um, tonight we're going to talk about uh, Adam Wingard's The Guest. Mrs. Peterson? Yes? My name is David. Mrs. Peterson, I, uh, I knew your son, Caleb. I was with him when he died. That's me. You know Caleb? Yes, ma'am. We are pretty close. Yes, ma'am. He wanted me to tell you that he loved you. Thanks. He asked me to check on y'all. And so, we're gonna be good friends. What happened? I got into a fight with some guys at school. I'll teach him some self-defense when he's feeling up to it. What are you gonna do? Nothing bad. For the damages. Never let anyone pick on you. Here. 
and keep it. Miss Peterson, are you sure you're comfortable with me staying here? I think it could be a good thing for us. You know, I promised Caleb I would do anything I could to help your family. But I'm afraid I haven't been fully honest with you. I don't know what I would have done if you hadn't been here. Really, Mrs. Peterson, it's no problem. Okay, so The Guest is, like I said, directed by Adam Wingard and written by Simon Barrett. Uh, they have been this sort of dynamic duo that I've really liked. Um, and one of the reasons I picked this for you, Noah, is because we saw your next in the theaters together, and this was their follow-up to your next. Mm-hmm. Same writer-director. Um, I feel sort of bad because out of this duo, um, Adam has sort of broken free of their friendship and he's he just finished uh godzilla versus kong which is a huge 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 studio movie and um simon he's doing fine too i shouldn't feel too bad for him but uh he didn't really get to go along for the ride like they didn't have him ride it and uh it feels like adam made a big jump and simon's still sort of doing the uh indie stuff but you know like i said i don't feel too bad because he's still doing plenty of work and well i I did see that they are working on i saw the devil um together which is awesome because that's one of my favorite movies of all time Um, yeah and i'm assuming that must be the american version of it which could be good could be bad right yeah they announced that quite a while ago and i don't think they've really moved forward on it because i think it was actually announced before godzilla versus kong and it's sort of one of those things where they announced it and then one of the guys got a big job offer and who knows if they'll ever get back to I Saw the Devil. But if anybody could do it, I would like to see this duo. And mm, for sure. He he did the Netflix version of Death Note, which was sort of a hated thing. Yeah, it was um, very polarizing, wasn't it? Yeah, and I think there was no way to win that. Like, no matter who did it, I mean, Tarantino could do it and people would be like, oh, it's still not as good as the original, you know, yeah. so... It, there really was no winning there, and it's tough. I mean, they did the sort of Blair Witch uh, sequel slash reboot uh, mm-hmm. back. It was only four years ago. It feels like a lot longer, but they filmed it, and it was under the name like The Woods or something. It was like a secret Blair Witch reboot, and then it hit theaters. And I don't remember if you were with me when we saw that in theaters, but that was pretty decent. No, I did not see that. Actually, I still haven't seen that. I'd probably go back and visit that revisit that sometime it's fun but it feels like uh it's tough because it's almost exactly the same as the original it's like they changed a few things put it back out and basically made blair witch for a new generation like for people because you know the younger like a generation below us probably has no idea what blair witch was so they're like let's just do it again and put it out there and well, it I almost mean, have... felt like a waste of these two because they've written some really and, and directed some really original stuff. Yeah. Well, half the fun of the old the old Blair Witch was not knowing if it was real or not when you the first time you saw it, you were like, "Oh my god, this is creepy!" And then like, I didn't even like. I remember personally, I saw them on like Leno, like 
a week after the movie came out and I was like, oh, that was a fake movie. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah. And you can't really do that now because no. we have the Internet and, you know, everybody has to do press for movies. So it's really mm-hmm. hard. But I remember, yeah, I mean, that that would be a I need to find someone who's never seen Blair Witch and do that one just because oh, that no. was such a huge cultural thing. And I mean, it was more so a cultural phenomenon than mm-hmm. it was a great movie. It's just uh, the right place, the right time and the right ingredients all came together and created that. Yeah, like, I re- remember one of the big jokes was uh, like that it was it cost sixty thousand dollars to make and like and there was like somebody was like walking around with fifty nine thousand dollars in their pocket. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's I, they probably a lot of that budget was uh, just uh, renting some equipment and probably, you know, yeah, the, just paying the paying the people to be there to film everything. Right. You have to have the people that are doing the catering and mm-hmm. that kind of shit that people don't even know about behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. But um, it's sort of cool. It makes sense because Adam and Simon and they did um, a segment in both the first and second VHS movies and one in the ABCs of death. And those are sort of, especially the VHS ones were sort of found footage Mm -hmm. in that fun time. There was like a small window where there was some really cool found footage. And then, you know, just like any good uh, genre of people beat it to death until it's no longer fun. Mm -hmm. Um, But I felt like the VHS movies were like the pinnacle of, that found footage they oh, use yeah. that to their advantage really well and especially the first two i never even saw the third one but i've heard i don't i don't want to watch it yeah i haven't seen the third one but i i remember the the, the first one was like i mean it was one of the first horror movies in a while that like really was like kind of just made i had to like after I had to like clear my mind for like an hour afterwards. Like it was just like, wow, that was kind of creepy. You know, like the, the Ty West one that were, Oh God, that one was just so anxiety ridden. And I don't know. I just lost my mind while watching that. Yeah. I haven't, I need to go revisit those. Cause I don't, I don't I haven't probably seen them in, you know, five years, probably since they first came out and hit, hit uh, DVD or Blu-ray or whatever. But, um, those were fantastic and they each they had a segment in each of the first two and that's sort of where a lot of those guys that did movies that did uh segments in those two movies went on to do some really good things and they're still out there making movies so mm-hmm. i love that these little indie things and they're very creative you know or a springboard for much bigger things and now you see uh adam winger doing you know he did death note and he's doing godzilla versus kong which is a huge undertaking. I can't imagine like, I guess death note would be nice practice for some of those, uh, special effects stuff. But you think like a dude that did this movie that we're talking about the guest or did Blair, Witch? like, how do you jump from that to doing Godzilla versus Kong? Like he's never had to do CGI. He's never had to rely on, you know, filming actors in front of a green screen. And that's pretty much all these movies are the, the big Godzilla Kong and stuff. And, that was supposed to be out by now, I think. And now obviously due to COVID it's been pushed back to next summer and we'll see if that happens. But, um, you know, that's, that's a huge job. Like, (laughs) you know, like it, it, it's a completely different thing. Like, I don't, I couldn't even imagine like trying to direct people in front of a green screen. All right. So imagine there's this, you know, life-size orange cat talking to you. You know, it's bizarre. Yeah, I just don't like I as someone who has never made a movie, I just think it's like a whole different world when you've done these kinds of things where you 
are limited to budget and what you see in front of you. I mean, I guess that's why you have like a visual effects supervisor and you have all these other people yeah, on you, set. So it's not just you. and everything, you know, right. Everything, but. but it's, I mean, I guess everybody has to do it eventually for the first time. But I just think of like, I always thought of him as, you know, this little indie guy and he's, he's doing this huge summer blockbuster, but that seems to be the trend in Hollywood right now is to find these sort of up and coming directors and they're doing it for, you know, the franchises like uh, the Marvel stuff and star Wars. Yeah. I don't know if it's, it's uh, so much brave or it's saving money because they don't have to pay big name directors, but well, yeah, I mean, it, it I, I, I get it. Uh, it's like taking a chance and just being like, Hey, you know, like if, if it doesn't work out, no big deal, you know, like, well, you know, we're a big studio, we can handle the hit, but if it's a big thing, you know, now we got this guy, you know, we, we can use in, in the future. Yeah, definitely. So I'll get back on the subject cause we're, yeah. we'll probably talk for like an hour about just other <laughs> things. Um, but yeah, the guest, uh, this was, let's see, this came out in 2014 um started hitting some of the festivals obviously you've watched it now and you can sort of tell it was probably something that was hitting um some of the genre festivals and then did like a limited theatrical run i know i don't think it came to our theater um it probably played at like film scene in iowa city maybe um or the sycamore theater in iowa city you probably had to drive at least an hour to go see this somewhere which is just weird to me i guess because uh your next played like everywhere yeah. and that was a big thing and i guess this is a little more strange and hard to market without giving it away yeah but um usually you know you trend upwards like you're if your first when your first features uh is released wide usually your next movie is also released wide but they were actually filming this movie while they were doing press for your next so it was it hit theaters while they were in like actual production of the guest while they were shooting it your next oh. was coming out and they were getting like opening weekend uh, i guess the studios will email you the numbers every like two hours to let you know how your movie's doing and and i listened to the commentary last night when i watched this again and they were talking about how it was your next was not doing very well so Lionsgate was really? emailing them every two hours but they, i guess Lionsgate was pretty uh cool about it because uh the reviews were really really good and it was trending very well it just wasn't getting huge dollars but then again it wasn't a huge budget movie but um they're saying somebody texted them opening weekend like while they were shooting the guest and was like dude we're at the theater in la and tarantino's here watching uh you're next and he is he is like cracking up laughing he's loving every minute of it and they're like you know okay like we might not have made a huge uh you know huge budget or, or got a big box office but you know tarantino saw it and then uh they didn't make it to his like best of the year list so they were like what the hell man you know but yeah. they, they were just happy to hear that one he saw he went and saw it opening weekend and two he was having a blast watching it so it, it was just it was an enjoyable movie like uh to me there's so many times that like those you know like kind of home invasion or um, you know, they just people are just kind of trapped where they're at. Um, movies like they can get, I don't know, drawn out and like I, a little too um, predictable and stuff like that. And I, I don't know, this one was a lot more fun. Um, it, but that's 
not even the movie we're talking about. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. But what I really like about uh, these two when they get together, especially Simon's writing, is that it has a sort of mean-spirited sense of humor under it. Even mm. The Guest, which is a pretty serious movie, has a lot of strange humor within it. Like, it's it's almost a black comedy in some ways. Oh, I yeah. feel like it, a lot of times they're winking right at the camera um, in moments that you know, might not be funny to the average person might go over their head, but I felt like, you know, you and I watch it and we laugh hysterically at things that we probably shouldn't, but they, they, they put that in there for that. So, uh, the whole movie sort of starts with this, uh, this soldier, he shows up, um, at a house, he knocks on the door, the mom, uh, whose name is Laura, she opens the door, let, you know, and he's like, look, um, I was on your, in your son's, uh, I went, I was in the military with your son, Caleb. Um, I'm and we're led to assume that Caleb probably died serving. And, um, he sort of introduces himself, uh, and says that his name's David. And he said that he just got out. Um, and he told Caleb that he would come and take care of his family, make sure that they're okay. Mm-hmm. Um, if something were to happen to him, but right away, you can sort of tell that David is, I don't know. I mean, every, I, I, I don't want to say every, but you sort of meet these guys right out of the military and they're a lot of times very tense, polite. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they've been through a lot of shit, even if they've not, you know, right in the line of battle, they've gone through basic training, that kind of stuff. So it's, I mean, but you know what you're getting into when it's the guest, you sort of know, like, okay, there's something up with this dude. It can't just be this guy showing up and everything's fine. Uh, And then, I don't know, it was just like, so one of the things that struck me is how like, oh no, you have to, you have to stay here. I've met, I've known you for 10 minutes now, but you better stay in my dead son's room. So that way, like, I mean, I I can understand the, maybe um, she's a little distraught, you know, and it's nice to just have a guy, you know, around her dead son's age and, but you know, staying in the room and everything. I was it's like, I was like, okay. I mean, you know, it seems a little trusting, but we. I guess this movie's got to move somewhere, right? Yeah, and then the, they said that in the pictures that they use, like he he goes up and you know he's in one of the pictures with Caleb as uh, a soldier, and they said the the pictures of Caleb are actually one of the producers of the movie. Like they had to just you know take pictures of somebody to play Caleb, even though mm-hmm. he's not in the movie. And that was one of the producers. Um, they said that the picture that they look at with all the guys and the guns and his infantry or whatever, his, his uh, mm-hmm. group of dudes, they just like put out a local call. Cause they filmed this in New Mexico and a bunch of um, ex soldiers showed up and they had all these guns and they brought their <laughs> own guns and they were v- very proud to show them off. And, uh, <laughs> They Adam and Simon were saying they were a little freaked out because they're like, are you can you are these even legal? And they're like, who's asking? You know, like <laughs> they were just very proud to have these guns. And they're like, OK, cool. Like, let's take a bunch of pictures. And they were just happy to be in a movie holding their awesome guns. So yeah. uh, they got lit some extras. And uh, fun fact, I was uh, forced to stay a night in Moriarty, New Mexico. Um, yeah. Uh, on, on a trip back from San Diego one time, I. It was the middle of an ice storm, and the um, state patrol told us that we had to get off the road and stay the night in Moriarty. 
Oh. Which was, yeah, like when I saw the high school, I was like, oh, I've been there. Really? <laughs> yeah. That's cool. They shot, yeah, I was just going to say, they shot this in New Mexico in the summer because they wanted it to look like fall, but I think they shot it in New Mexico because. Everything's um, brown, though. Yeah, everything's brown and it's, they're not going to, they don't have to worry so much about weather and yeah. um, it's, I guess, like probably tax credits. They, oh, this yeah, is a pre- yeah. Pretty yep. low budget movie, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously they shot you know breaking bad and stuff yeah. there and they, right. they sort of make some jokes about how um they obviously wanted to shoot in the midwest because that's where every like f- they just wanted an excuse to shoot a movie during halloween season and, mm-hmm. and sort of centered around that and they're like and we sh- we did that and then we decided to shoot new mexico in a desert which always sort of looks like fall everything's yeah. brown brown and yeah yeah the it well it's like um die hard with uh christmas in la you know it's there's not a you know there's no snow you know it's sunny out there's palm trees yeah so i i, I get it um the the oh god lost my train of thought anyhow um yeah so uh, but oh but you can kind of you can kind of follow back back when there were tax credits in certain states like new mexico had this uh louisiana there was um you had uh, Coven um, film there from American Horror Story. You had a right. uh, true detective film there. I mean, we had tax credits here in Iowa, and I remember a bunch of different movies coming through at that at that time. That one was that baseball one with Sean Astin and um, the Crazies and stuff like right. that. Right? Yeah, uh, Jason and Mike did like a they got like a two million dollar movie shot during that. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. The Iowa ones I remember were greatly taken advantage of. Yes. Yeah. I, I remember hearing stories of people like buying cars that they would use for like one scene in a movie. Then the director would just have a brand new car. It's like, <laughs> you, you can't do that. But um, yeah, that's, it's interesting. I think a lot of stuff films in Georgia now, that seems like a very popular oh, yeah. That's place. where uh, Ozark is filmed. Yeah. All the Marvel stuff shot in, in Georgia, yeah. as long as, you know, they do all the outside stuff there anyways. But um, this is when we meet, Anna, who's played by Maka Monroe, who, you know, later went on to be the lead in It Follows. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's the daughter um, and she's introduced to David. And it seems obvious, like she's already a little suspicious of him. She sort of feels the same way. I feel like the audience, she's sort of like the one that we might connect with most just because she's like, okay, what's up with this dude? Why did my mom let him in? And I don't want him staying here. She's a little leery, obviously, because like you said earlier, like what the hell's a mom thinking? But she's also still probably grieving her son. And, you know, it's just nice to have somebody around and she has a hard time telling someone no. But uh, Anna clearly is like, uh, I don't know about this guy. Mm. Yeah, she yeah, that, you know, yeah, exactly. That was the first thing you're like, oh, finally, some a, a voice of reason, you know. But it, the whole, I don't know, the she sleeps late thing. And I don't know. I got nothing. I really like, I really liked her in this, this movie. Mm-hmm, uh, and, and, you know, obviously she, like I said, she sort of started off as, you know, uh, I wouldn't call her a scream queen yet, but her first two movies were sort of big indie horror action genre films that people really loved. And, um, I'm interested to see where she goes from here. She ended up doing the Independence Day sequel, and that was sort of a flop. She was, that was supposed to sort of be her like big studio break, but I think she's really awesome. And 
Mm-hmm. I really yeah, like her. But... Really, really good in this movie. Uh, this and then we meet Luke, who's a little brother with like the sort of little brother haircut. Um, we meet him at the school where he's getting picked on by the school bullies. They're beating him up. They throw him against a locker. Um, they the director said that opening shot where they go into the hallway and all the kids come out in the in the school and all the kids come out in the hallway was inspired by a very similar shot in Scream because uh, these guys are probably right about around our age or a little bit older. So, you know, the 90s were probably more so influential to them mm-hmm. and Scream was a big deal. But um, kids beat the crap out of Lucas and it's a typical like he has no self-esteem. He doesn't stand up to his bullies. Um, his mom comes to pick him up from school and he gets there, gets to meet David. And there's that weird, awkward scene where David and Luke are sitting across from each other. And I think they're like playing cards or something. And they're just has that moment where they're staring at each other in the face. And uh, that's one of those weird little moments where I think it's supposed to be funny and feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, Cause the parents are fighting in the background <laughs> because uh, the mom's like you know yeah i'm going him to stay like i let him in and dad who's uh i don't remember the actor's name the dad i could probably look it up but he is one of my favorite characters in this movie oh yeah yeah he's he's just bizarre it, it, you know kind of just off like it just it, it, it feels like everybody kind of fits that role you know there was like you know the tense guy the grieving mother and the, this guy just doesn't seem to fit the the father of a soldier kind of role but i mean it, it worked for some reason it really works yeah, I actually like him because it doesn't feel like yeah. it feels like a lot of the other ones fit into a mold and he doesn't, mm-hmm. like you said. Leland and, Orser. Okay, he plays, yeah, Spencer, and he's sort of uh he's sort of questioning Laura, like why'd you let this guy in? Like, you know, look, like I I you know, respect the hell out of whatever, but you know, I don't know. And then he sort of comes out and he's like, you know, if you want to stay, you can stay as long as you'd like, you know, and mm-hmm. offers him a beer and then he sort of just turns into cool dad. Uh, they, I think they watch the sports or whatever. Um, yeah, they get drunk together. Yeah. And, you know, then he's sort of like the cool dad. But they, um, listening to the commentary, they were saying that he, that actor, uh, the dad, Spencer, he um, improved like out of everybody uh, in this movie, he had the most like made up dialogue. He went off the script the most and they felt like, he he was like the only one that could really pull it off like he was they said he's actually like a very very funny guy and he was a blast to uh, shoot on the set like probably just the most live lively on the set and just a good dude and I, you can sort of tell that from the movie they said he would they would shoot a, a, do a shot and then he would come and apologize be like look I, f- I forgot my lines but i just went with it and they're like no actually what you did was like more natural than what we wrote so yeah i he was um he was in i, I feel like he, he was in 7 and i mean he was yeah, in 7 what do you know yeah yeah um yeah he was the one okay yeah i remember him he was, but yeah I, I he's seemed oddly familiar like i've seen him in a lot of different things but um like he's never been like a prominent role in anything he reminds me of adam turla from uh, murder by death for some reason <laughs> oh yeah 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 the hair the hairstyle and everything. Yeah. He just reminded me of him. Like first time I saw him and that sort of stuck in my mind. Maybe that's why I like him so much. But um, then we meet uh, Anna's boyfriend, Chase her Anna and uh, Chase are at the park and they're swinging and she's telling Chase about uh, 
David being at the house and they're talking a little bit about missing her brother and that situation. Um, we never really get a definite answer on what happened to her brother, but we're led to assume, you know, he died in combat or something, didn't make it home. So this family's a, a little broken, but I'm glad they don't dwell on that. Like they don't really make it super sad. Like no. the family, the family's, it seems like it's been long enough that the family's a little bit over it, but obviously never going to completely get over yeah. it but they don't I, I just i see so many movies like i just watched a movie before we recorded about like a grieving family losing family members and it's like it's just nice that we, that's not the center of this movie that's not the mm-hmm. point of this um and so uh yeah they said that this during this particular scene they shot at 3 a.m and this is when they were getting those emails from um <laughs> Lionsgate about the about your necks not doing well and they were waiting for like a rig to be fixed so they're already in a bad mood and they're getting these emails and it was 3 a.m and they're just like fuck like let's just <laughs> get this over with so they have like bad connotations with this scene yeah. uh it, it's interesting hearing a writer director you know remember distinctly like what they were doing when a scene was shot but obviously that was a big deal to them and um you know not a lot of they were actually when they would their filminess um, Lionsgate was like flying them out to do press, you know, and they would go on like podcasts or or uh, do the press tours and go to screening stuff for your next and then fly back out and continue shooting the movie. And they said it was just like no sleep at all because uh, it just seems like an awful That's schedule. A, but the, yeah, brutal. Yeah, but they were just sort of like, look, like I feel like. They, they said they felt pretty lucky because if they would have waited to see if your next would have been a hit and it flopped, they probably wouldn't have been able to do mm-hmm. this movie. So it's like they started shooting it before, um, hoping that, you know, Just things take, work out. Yeah, take what you can when you got it. Right. And so, you know, they, they put their nose to the grindstone, get it done. And mm-hmm. um, this is where David picks up Luke at school the next day. Um he knows that he's been bullied, so he's like, "Point out your bullies." And th- this is where the the movie starts getting fun, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, he, you know, Luke points out, you know, these guys. So um, David follows these guys to a bar uh, where the bullies and the jocks and the girls, all the popular kids, are having drinks. Which I maybe I was never obviously a jock or a cool kid, but um, I don't remember any kids in high school being able to go to a bar and get served myself. Yeah, I remember um, what was the place? Uh, it's called Barracudas. And oh. um, yeah, there was a, there's definitely a bar that if uh, our friend Tyler's brother or cousin, I think it was, was working that we could go in there and he, he'd let us get pictures of beer, but he wouldn't let us do shots or like mixed drinks or anything, but he'd let us get pictures of beer. Okay. And we'd, I do we'd, re- we'd just do that and play pool. I do remember people would get fake IDs and get into like college night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a thing. Like, I think my sister got caught a few times like <laughs> in, in high school going out to college night and, you know, having some drinks or whatever. And they would just sort of like look the other way when you had the fake id it's like well and and times were a lot different then you know it was a little Uh, less strict but this uh i mean this scene though is like the the scene where you kind of first get that idea of i mean even before like anything goes crazy like that you get that first idea that there's something a little off about this guy you know like he takes the kid in the bar and you know it's one thing to stand up to the kids but he's like pulling out hundred dollar bills and like being kind of weird 
you know, like buying the young girls blowjob shots and you're just like, well, I guess, I mean, yeah, yeah. This is where like your, your, uh, to me, my curiosity started to peak. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. like now we starting to get to know, like some, we knew something's up with David, obviously he wasn't just a soldier, but, yeah. um, you know, he's not acting very, he's been so polite at the house and so quiet and helpful. And now he's like, he, like you said, he buys, I think it buys the guys like daiquiris and no, buys, he buys, like, some, buys them cosmopolitans, buys the girls blowjob shots, gets himself a, a drink that is cinnamon schnapps and hot sauce, hot sauce? Yeah. yeah, and Tabasco. And yeah, he, he first pulls out a hundred dollar bill, puts it down. Then he pulls out a second one when he buys the Cosmos and he says, keep the change. And as a bartender, I got a little bit of a boner, but like <laughs> the, but it was just like, that's when you're like, okay, where did he get this money? Cause he obviously has very little attachment to it. Right. And he was, and he did it like aggressively mm-hmm. too. And yeah, with just... a, with a smile on his face, like yeah. he knows exactly. And the bartender's like, you know, you are, he knows he's like, you're antagonizing them, but yeah. it's but, fucking money. Like, but, but I just made a hundred and fucking $70, you know, like on making, you know, six drinks or so, you know, so it's like, yeah. Whatever. I'm gonna need to see some ID. You ID all of them? <laughs> what can I get you? You know how to make a fireball. Cinema schnapps and Tabasco sauce. That's my drink of choice. Let me get one of those. Coke here for my brother. And I can't help but notice those ladies over there are drinking cheap beer. That seems like a shame to me. I'd like to buy each one of them a blowjob shot. Are you serious? I am. Yes. Do you want to buy anything for their fellas? Do I look like I'd like to buy something for their fellas? Might be the polite thing to do. Sure, okay, fine. Let me get each one of those guys at Cosmopolitan. Mister, I don't know what you're going for, but uh, I was thinking of beer. Nope. Blowjob shots for the ladies and a Cosmopolitan for each of the guys. You can keep the change on that. You got it. Yeah, so we're, we're sort of wondering, like, uh, where is this going? What's his plan? Um, one of the bullies comes over and instantly and really stupidly throws a drink right in David's face. Um, David stands up, takes his drink that um, we wonder why the hell he ordered, which has the hot sauce and Tabasco, all that stuff and throws it in the kid's face. Um, And then he just continues to whoop everyone's ass in the most brutal fashion. He breaks a pool cue over someone's head. Mm -hmm. He's he like trips some kid and smashes his face into the floor and then stomps on the one kid's ankle. And yes, just brutal. And then, this is a like where I was starting to question the movie a little bit in the sense that like I'm like, is this like I mean he's got this the is he superhuman then like I I I was like I was just thinking that you know he might have been like a drifter that has some you know that was in the military but has some like bad blood against the family or something like that. When I see this, I'm like, is he superhuman? Like, is he a robot? What the hell's going on? Why is he so like he seems to be able to just do whatever the hell he wanted whenever he wanted. You know, and I, yeah. it just kind of threw me off. Yeah, this this scene um, when I saw it, it, it was I thought the same exact thing. It's sort of like 
is this, it reminded me of the scene in the first Terminator where, where Arnold walks into the bar and he's mm-hmm. like, you know, your clothes and your motorcycle or Give your keys or whatever. <laughs> right. It's exactly very much that. And uh, he plays it a little more tongue in cheek. David mm-hmm. has like a smile on his face. Yeah. He's clearly enjoying this. So there's some kind of emotion there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, you know, he's, he's perfect in every way. He's, he's like chiseled, wears perfect fitting clothes. He's mm-hmm. a very handsome dude. And, uh watching it again and hearing the commentary they talked about how david uh or the actor um dan stevens he like worked really hard to see how long he could go on these close shots without blinking like Mm -hmm. and it's it's weird because it's like it's not a detail you'd even notice but Mm -hmm. it's you know something in your subconscious is like Uh, why is this guy not quite uh, human yeah yeah. Uh, and, and after he whoops everyone's ass, it, he, they do this really funny shot. He leaves money uh, for the bartender and he's like, you know, for the, the bartenders. Yeah, for the damages. And he's like, you know, if you call the cops, basically like a bunch of you're, you have a bunch of underage kids drunk in your bar. You mm-hmm. can't call the cops. So here's the money for the damages. And uh, thanks for your time. And they they walk out and they show this wide shot of all the kids like on the floor hmm. holding holding their injuries, you know, like, holy shit. They just and it's like a very funny scene in a very serious moment yeah. where he just nearly killed all these high schoolers. Yeah. When you, uh, you sent me this, uh, you know, you said, suggested this movie. I was like, Oh, I'm going to go check out a trailer of it real quick, you know? And, uh, and I watched the trailer and I, well, I, I searched for the trailer on YouTube and the first, uh, it comes up. And then like a second one is like bar fight scene from the guest. And I'm like, okay, there's something cool that happens in the bar, I guess. I, I, you know, I'll see that when I watch the movie. It was just like when when that's like the second choice after you type in the guest trailer is like, yeah. you know, that there's something striking about that scene. Yeah, like it's the first big clue into um, who this David character is and what's going on with them. Um, and, you know, uh, Luke gets punched in the whole scuffle but he he's just has like a bloody nose or a black eye or something so he's not too bad but um comes home and he has like a a bloody nose the mom sort of freaking out and he's like you know david's like don't worry about it like it's all under control and uh, i'll teach him some self-defense uh right feels up to it yeah um and this is where uh anna knocks on the bathroom door and thinks luke's in there but david comes out and he's like in nothing but a towel and it's like, you know, super low cut. Um... Luke, I need to take a shower. Luke! Luke, come on, I need to... I'm sorry. Um, no, no, I am sorry. I thought Luke was in there. They were talking about that scene, too, because uh, Dan Stevens, I did not know this actor before this movie, but he is really badass but apparently he's he was in Downton Abbey and yeah, he's, yeah. he's British and obviously very handsome but um and I guess in Downton Abbey he's not like chiseled he's actually sort of not not 
fat or chubby even, but more doughy, more mm-hmm. of a normal looking dude, not cut like this. And then when they met him for the role, he was like, he was doing a very Christian Bale thing and <laughs> had lost a ton of weight. Yeah. And so he was like a man, he was like uh, in the machinist. He was like very, very gaunt and they were a little worried. They're like, you know, we're filming in like two months, dude. Like you are deathly skinny. And they said, uh, Simon, I think it was sort of made the joke. Like we wanted Christian Bale in, uh, the dark night, the dark night. And we got Christian Bale in the machinist, but, uh, (laughs) he assured us that he was going to bulk up and would work out and, and put on the weight and, and it actually worked in their favor. And I guess I'd never noticed it before, but they, they've pointed out several times during the movie while watching it, that he, different scenes he's like very skinny then he's very ripped but they waited to shoot this uh specific scene till the very last week uh so because he worked out the entire time they shot like when they when he wasn't on camera when they weren't rolling he was doing push-ups sit-ups um and for this scene he didn't like drink water or eat for like 48 hours so that he could cut all the water weight yeah and so you could see you know just like a fighter when they weigh in they just look ridiculous and then they said like as soon as they shot the scene he grabbed like a big bottle of coke and just chugged the whole thing because he was just like <laughs> I-, I need sugar i need something like you know and uh but you know he was very he had never been in this kind of shape at all so he was pretty proud and i i do not blame him he was oh yeah dumb shredded and <laughs> it's like the it's always sunny like season where max just trying to fit his like how like you know totally in shape he is into everything he's like so what do you want to do with this right exactly <laughs> just just standing around with it anyhow no no it's it's definitely true and then it's funny because then they point out like the next scene uh is when we go to that halloween party and you know david has to go with anna uh i think her mom's like you, you should take david to the party which is totally weird it's like david's cl- like in his i would assume uh, mid- like in his 20s yeah late 20s well she was 20 you know she just does mention in there like that she'll in like a month she'd be able to drink you know yeah and, but so like i mean she, he might only been five ten five to ten years older than her which uh as a man dating someone 10 years younger than me i i mean i gotta <laughs> own up to that it's just like but she barely knows this guy yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. like you know and it's like almost like a little brother thing it's like well take david to the party with you so you can make some friends and uh she obviously sort of like rolls her eyes but it's like whatever and I, you get there and of course obviously like they show up at the door and her friend Kristen's like holy shit this guy is fucking hot mm. which you know if he showed up at a high school party like that's exactly what would happen. Well, the, the way he walked into that party too. Oh yeah, the absolutely. Keg over one shoulder, and then the and other keg in the other, other hand. Right, and they show it in slow motion, and he walks in just like you know, <laughs> it's so funny. But they, they did point out like this is this was shot pretty early, so like uh, some of the scenes you can see like I would never have noticed, but they just they almost probably ruined this for me because they show how skinny he is in some of the scenes at this party because it was pretty early, and they said like they their set director made this huge really cool like out in the yard of this house they he, he decorated for halloween and put up lights in the trees and pumpkins and everything and they were supposed to be outside and then it rained and like ruined everything so they had to flip and turn it in the house and they said he, they actually liked the inside of the house much better and the oh. set director was like really upset 
honestly though like that was actually a really cool looking party i mean like it, it like had this feel that like that'd be a pretty fun party to be at if uh if like you know it was a halloween party that someone invited you to like be way better than any of blake's halloween parties exactly yeah and so he walked like you said he walks in carrying the keg on one shoulder and it's slow motion shot and uh, her friends are all sort of sitting in a circle smoking weed as you know it's not that ridiculous it's uh 20 some you know those those kids that age are going to sit around and drink beer and smoke weed and uh these two assholes show up and they you just know right away you look at them they have the curly (laughs) hair this have those fucking fart faces like dudes are gonna show up at a party and start shit josh jackson from like all those movies when we were like teenagers that like skulls yep yep he's gonna show up and they're just gonna fucking start shit and they go up to Kristen, who's crushing on david and Apparently, I think one of the dudes is Kristen's ex, and he tries to start shit, and David's like, nope, and puts his head through a fucking picture on the wall. Just straight <laughs> slam, one one quick motion, like right hand to the side of his head, and just smash. And yeah, everybody and, seems cool with it. I mean... Yeah, and apparently he doesn't have, you know, other than those two friends that joined him, no one else there likes him because he's like, take your friend and leave and they don't even question him. They're like, all right, I'm out of here. I honestly uh, though, if somebody like were did that to you in front of me, I probably would be like, you're right. He was he's an asshole. I Right. Yeah. I mean he walked <laughs> right up and tried to start shit with yeah. this dude and it's like bad idea, man. Uh and that turns Kristen on apparently. She's like you know, now she's totally turned on, horned up and uh they go in the other room and obviously get it on but um the the, the, the the weird moment in that though is when she like unzips his pants and is like it looks like you're not into this and then like all of a sudden he uh, the it's another like moment of like is he a fucking robot because all of a right. sudden when she says that he's like turns her over and he's like okay I'm, you are into this you know and it's like, yep very aggressive like right afterwards mm-hmm. flips her over tosses her around like mm-hmm. very very uh controlling um then they they come out and David and Craig and this uh, drug dealer who's I, f- I forget the actor's name I'm, I'm horrible on this podcast about actors' names but he's in like uh, everything you know he's in the um, uh, Grandma's Boy yeah yeah and he's in the um, Avatar movies uh, Joel David Moore yeah and they talked about you know it, they're like we really wanted they met him through a friend or something and they wanted to get him in this movie, but they thought, you know, this dude's in fucking avatar. There's no way we'll get him in the guest. And he's like, dude, like I, this movie sounds awesome. Where, where can I, you know, help out? And they're like, well, we have this like sort of junkie drug dealer loser. And he's like, cool. Like as long as it fits in my schedule. And they're like, yeah, you know, he came in, he filmed these scenes like in one day and then he flew back out to film like avatar seven or whatever. <laughs> and it's funny because this was like, you know 2014 i think i said and uh you know that he was filming avatar 2 which still is not out until like 2022 now <laughs> and he was filming that like I, he was... I have never seen avatar and people keep telling me i need to do it and i don't know it, it's it's, it, it's like it's titanic over. to me like i still haven't seen it and I, i'm not going to stop telling me to avatars dude like it the the ship has passed like there's no it, no reason to watch it now it was a spectacle and there's no reason to go back to it yeah uh this is his best movie but um no i i love grandma's boy too but uh, yeah. he sort of talks to this dude about you know maybe getting a gun um you know where can i get a gun 
Um, and out of the corner of his eye, he sees Anna and Chase sort of having a fight in the hallway. Uh, she storms out, asks David you know, if they can go home. He insists on driving. Uh, she plays some music and he's like, you know, he, I sort of like this music. And she makes him a mix CD, which is. Uh, which in 2014 was a bit of a stretch. Yeah, it was a little too late for that. Um, <laughs> if anything, like a mixtape, because those are sort of back. You know, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, or just, you know, send them a playlist. Right. I, I have this cool playlist on Spotify. Here it but is. Then again, he only had a burner phone. So we're, we might be led to believe that he doesn't understand Spotify. Yeah, and I actually, I, I actually really, really love the soundtrack. I listen to it quite often. Um, it is pretty. I cool. think "Haunted" is the song that plays when uh, they make it home, and they she's listening to it in his headphones, and they cut over to his room, and he's like sitting on the bed, staring <laughs> into nothing. Yeah. And it's it's it is funny, but it's like ultimately, like you know, this guy, we know there's something up. Like he's staring into nothing. He's just. Oh, and then they cut like right, like boom, a cold cut without any fade out, just a cold cut to like this creepy sort of um, sound. It's just dong. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. mean, yeah, the sound, I mean, that's one of the things. The sound was like spot on with this movie. You know, it, it, they did a good job of like giving you that. Like there's, there's definitely a dark doom kind of feel to the sound. Like even, even when before you know exactly what, you know, like actually, you don't really ever know exactly what's going on, but before you know that he's weird, you know, like it still has kind of a weird, eerie feel to it. Yeah, and so Steve Moore, who did the score to this movie, um, he used the same uh, synthesizers that Carpenter used on Halloween Three because they're obviously big fans of that, mm-hmm. and uh, he's actually in the Halloween party scene uh, when they're walking through the room he's wearing i think the wolf mask from yeah, next. yeah yeah I, I pointed out that out to shelby while we were watching it i was like hey you remember when i because i wore the lamb mask didn't i for right. halloween yeah on your, yeah okay. yep. and i pointed that out i was like hey it's a mask from your next yes and you know they're sort of doing a little shout out to their own movie which is is cool because at the time it hadn't when they're filming it hadn't even been out yet and uh just sort of a cool little nod and like i said they let their composer he wanted to like visit the set and so with their budget they're like well if we fly you here we have to find a reason so you have to be in the movie and he's like well i'm not an actor i don't want to actually be in it so they figured out this way and uh sort of fun little thing to Mm. you know a nod for people um sure yeah and and uh steve moore i think is a member of the band zombie which is like a uh throwback sort of uh, I'm trying to like a synth electronic band that's sort of an homage to like those old uh, bands that in the seventies, like Tangerine dream and uh, okay. Goblin Goblin is like probably their biggest influence. And then I guess when Goblin got back together, uh, they actually had him in their band. So it is, it all sort of circles back around and pretty cool. I gotcha. but anyways. Yeah. Um, this is where like, there's just a lot of weird, funny stuff in here. Um, Let's see. Oh, this is the scene where we sort of get to a little bit of insight into what is up with David. And they talk about how they really hated this scene because they wrote it in the script like completely different. But the way the the, the layout of the house that they ended up using to shoot at um, did not allow like a really natural way for Anna to hear David talking on his burner phone about mm-hmm. 
I, he was like talking about was he talking about like plastic surgery or yeah yeah he was something about teeth and fingers and like fingerprints yeah, yeah something and so obviously she's already suspicious and she's leaning up against the wall listening to him and you know they they show him outside and he's suspicious and they talked about how much they absolutely hate the scene it's like their least favorite scene in the entire movie because they felt like it was clunky and not believable like if they felt that he would absolutely know she was there mm -hmm. and um but they had to figure out a workaround and that was the best way but um apparently in the original screenplay and in a and they actually shot it in the actual movie like before it made it to festivals or anything when they did test screenings like they they had this shot, but they shot like all kinds of stuff that explained every detail about David and the test audiences were like, we, this is too much. Like you're, you're telling us exactly what happens. It's sort of more like ominous and creepy when we don't know, like, mm -hmm. and let, let our, let our minds fill in those gaps. Cause for the most part, we understand what's happening, but um, it, it's like a first clue into what might be up with David if, you know, cause we, we have these suspicions that he's like, is he a super soldier? Mm -hmm. Is he a robot? What's his deal? Um, but at the same time, I, I you know, I'm, I'm not sure if it's the, the, the direction of the movie that's just like kind of overselling him a little bit. And, um, you know, like as I'm watching, I'm also thinking like, well, maybe he's a, you know, a fugitive, you know, like, and he's just, and you know, like he, he's somehow got away from the, uh, what a, he was you know arrested on an army base or something he got away from it and like he's running through here trying to just like so yeah uh, you know you're still kind of up in the air you're not really sure exactly what's going on yeah because he he's obviously you know very strong very quick but he's not quite like superhuman yeah he's just i mean it's not a big stretch he's like yeah peak human performance right but he's still human like yeah. we, we have no reason yet to believe that he's a complete robot or something but um we have this sort of shot where they go to these this big obviously government building and they're sort of talking about how david escaped and they're looking for him um, they shot this scene in the la times offices actually which is sort of cool mm -hmm. um I, I forget the government's like keep kpg or something um we see a lot of references yeah. i guess they use this in um your next and they use this in a lot of their movies as sort of their like little nod to their theatrical universe because they say that these movies all exist within each other but um we get you know a little more insight as to like there, there's somebody after him and you know um he's he's escaped from some uh, military base mm -hmm. and there's reason to be but, looking for him yeah and they uh they put it out that you know like the, the official story is he's dead right that's where you f find out that like okay there's something fishy like and this almost like makes you root for him because you're like oh the government's trying to screw us over again you know yeah like, but we know that you know there was i guess some fan theories that you know um he was actually david was actually caleb and and like got like plastic surgery on his on his face and on his finger and got his fingerprints removed and stuff but mm -hmm. they show a picture of david in the folder mm -hmm. um so it's oh, very yeah. clear like he looks like david in the folder and they even mm -hmm. ask like is this the guy you're looking for and they know you know at, later in the movie that you know that this is what he looked like so it's not that that theory's out the window stupid thing but um this is where one of another one of my favorite scenes because i love ethan embry uh I feel like he's severely underused in modern movies. He was sort of a big 
deal in the late nineties as a heartthrob and like can't hardly wait and stuff, but they <laughs> use him here as like a gritty gun dealer and, and they meet out in the desert. Um, I just love Ethan and I love this character. He's, he's an asshole, a typical dude, like in a wife beater out in the mm-hmm. middle of the desert and he's cocky and he's showing off all these guns and sort of being arrogant. Like, you know, do you even know what these are? Like, you know, I'm a guns dealer or whatever. And he's there with uh, Craig, who's the the drug dealer. And uh, David sort of snark says in like a snarky tone, like I'll take them all. And uh, he's like, Oh, you got cash. He's like, I'm not paying for them. I'm going to kill you. Uh, yeah. I'm going to fucking kill you. And uh, he, sh- he shoots this uh, gun dealer, Ethan Embry right away, super quick. Uh, and then, Craig goes running and he tries to shoot him and the gun is like, he only has one bullet. bullet, Yeah. They're like, they're playing Russian roulette while they're waiting, I guess. And it's so funny because, uh, he has this like very funny reaction where he's like, Oh man, like it it just lets him run while he slowly pulls out the bullets, fills it back (laughs) in. And it's like almost like a a cat playing with a mouse where he's like, I'll let him get a little more lead time while I slowly reload these bullets. not late, am I? No. No, you're just on time. Good. Look, before we get started, I just want to make sure that you've got some cash on you. No offense. That should be good. That'll do. Let's get started. I mean, it's like the standard Beretta. I'm sure you're familiar with it. In my opinion, if you've seen one of these, you've seen them all. But this baby, this here, is a 9mm Witness Elite. It's a very similar weapon to the Beretta, but I prefer the recoil. I mean, it's got absolutely no kick at all. Look, man, oh, yeah, if, if you brought money for all of them, I'll cut you a deal. You can take them all off my hands. No, I'm going to kill you. Hey, what the fuck, David? Are you listen to me one fucking second. Oh. Wait, wait. No, 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 no!
there was a scene in Archer that in an Archer episode where there's a car driving away and he's all these guys a pistol and he's slowly lining it up and just nails a guy in the head. He's like, "Oh my god, that was crazy! You see that shot?" <laughs> he's just impressed by the shot more than anything. Yeah, and that's what he, this is definitely like. Craig, he lets Craig get away, and it's almost like I said, like a cat and mouse thing because he he it's almost like a challenge, and he, he shoots him obviously from far away and takes care of him. Uh, takes all these guns and he takes two grenades and it's like oh shit now this fucking guy has grenades great <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, and then we get a little bit more of the dad he comes home and talks about how his boss uh just up and died and now he gets a promotion he's sort of like you know really distraught about it but then he's like you know the the real son of a bitch of it is you know i get his job yeah uh and you know his wife's pretty stoked about it but anna's like what's up with this? Like she's starting to put the pieces together and she's on edge the entire movie. Anyways, anything that happens, she's thinks is related to David and it's a little foreshadowing, you know, uh, I think she, she calls her or she calls Craig to see if he got info on David or no, she calls her, uh, friend and finds out her, her boyfriend, Craig to see if, uh, you know, he's supposed to be looking into, uh, David and see if, you know, basically like do some research, try to find out who he is or find any mm -hmm. intel on him. Uh, and then she finds out that, you know, their friend, the drug dealer died and uh, he gets yeah. pulled over and the cops assume that he did it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Zeke. Um, yeah. Cause it, yeah, he gets pulled over. They find the gun and he's like, Oh yeah, th th there's no prints on it. It's been wiped. Of yeah. course. Yeah. And so, you know, he's, he's uh framed for the murder he's they they assume he did it um you know now he's in jail uh so she goes to visit Kristen at the restaurant that they both work at and talk to her um we cut to david and luke who are sitting out and they're carving pumpkins which is very you know halloween like but he he pulls out this like fucking what is it a butterfly knife yeah butterfly knife just slapping it around yeah and uh it's funny because they said that Dan Stevens learned this on his own. It wasn't part of the script and he's, he's like showing off his skills to uh, Simon and Adam. And they're like, well, now we have to write this into the movie somewhere. So they wrote this, <laughs> this scene and it ends up, ends up coming back later in the movie, which is sort of cool, but um, just another sort of funny, but also, you know, it's not really tense, just sort of a funny scene where he's just so badass that he's using this, butterfly knife to carve a pumpkin and he gives uh, it he gives it to luke you know and he's like he's like oh, i got plenty more yeah yeah like you know you go ahead and take this and um that whole that and like i said there's a scene later are definitely references to and they mention this in here and i sort of saw this before i assumed is a reference to the nick cage john travolta movie face off mm -hmm. where um I guess it'd be Nick Cage and Travolta's body uh, gives or no Travolta. I think when it was still in his own body is it's a bit confusing, but he gives his daughter a butterfly knife to use as self-defense. And uh, yeah. you know, it comes back later where, you know, she stabs, I think Nick Cage and uh, the leg with the butterfly knife. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's a reference. And they said, that's one of their favorite movies. And I was like, Oh, that makes sense. So, yeah it's fun to see like nineties references in this movie. Yeah. So many people reference eighties movies, which is fine, but it's like so, so often, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's the hot thing. I, I mean, it's kind of been the hot thing for Jesus. It, 
it's like like the longest trend to ever stick around is you know the 80s trend yeah and it's it's like i think it's slowly starting to like die off again but i mean like the kids on the bikes and all that stuff recently has just been overkill so it's nice to see some 90s movies that never get love get referenced and they're so subtle that if you know most people wouldn't recognize some of them and i probably wouldn't have caught a few of them if i didn't listen to the commentary but it's just cool that they sneak in like our face-off reference how strange (laughs) Like Tarantino's out there going through like film history yeah. and referencing, you know, stuff. And they're like, we love face off. So we yeah. made a butterfly knife scene. <laughs> we, we love slackers so damn much. Yeah. yeah it's the talking penis scene. Exactly. <laughs> so Anna takes David's phone. She takes a picture of his phone to see his recent calls. Um, and she almost gets caught. Clearly, David sort of knows that she's, you know, on to him and he's on to her for him her being on to him and you know he's he's smarter than that he knows what's up uh this is when craig calls anna from jail and is like hey i got arrested for murdering our friend uh what the hell so she goes out and tells her family like craig's arrested and her dad's like well good thing you're not dating him anymore and she's like dad i have been dating him and blah 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 back and forth uh we have this sort of dramatic scene where you know we get this awkward moment, you know, she's, she's screaming at her dad and he's yelling back because she's not supposed to be seeing this dude. And he's like, they, they sort of said this was supposed to be a, they had a hard time shooting this because no one could keep a straight face. Cause <laughs> the dad, the dad is like, you know, making a big deal out of marijuana. And now yeah. it's like, not, it, it's so stupid because he's like, you know, oh, of course he murdered somebody. The guy smokes marijuana. You know? <laughs> and and they're like, Right. And, and, uh, they made that purposely like sort of funny because it's just like dads are so like, you know, a lot of dads are just so like weed is so bad. And it's like, how would you make a connection between murdering someone? But, uh, that's where she sort of, um, calls out David and is like, you know, I, we don't know anything about this guy. He's here. He's not who he says he is. And David, you know, pulls his dog tags out and is like, you know, here are my dog tags. Look at him. Meanwhile, holding and, a knife. Like, yeah, he's he's in the kitchen holding his giant butcher knife. Yeah, he's the whole, yeah explaining explaining that I it, it's okay. They want me to, people to think I'm dead because you know special forces. Just a very convenient, um, you know, story. Yeah, yeah, he has he has his uh, alibi figured out and figures you know he's. He's smart. He's not dumb. He knew, you know, this would come and people get suspicious and um, they pull out the dog tags and he does this thing, which is just so David, he like picks him up with a knife. Yeah. And uh, they, they sort of talk about that too. And how like little things like that were not in the script and they didn't tell him to do it, but um, just part of like the character he built. And they said they shot that like three or four times. And every time he picked up with a knife, they're afraid that he would drop them. And it's like, just you know, something very David like to be able to pick up dog tags by the chain on a metal knife and not have mm-hmm. them slip off. But um, the parents apologize to him. They're like, you know, really sorry that, you know, she questioned you. Um, so David sort of follows Anna to her room and wants to talk to her. Um, and this is where we sort of get our first indication that the agents uh, at KPG, they get in the car and they're heading this way. So the violence is about to ramp up in this one. Um, this is, like I said, where the, we see this, uh, main agent. He's, uh, once again, I don't know this actor's Lan- name. Lance but, Reddick. 
Lance Reddick, he's yes. very badass. Oh, he was great in The Wire. He's also a voice on Destiny. Yeah, they they said that when they cast this dude, like he's just so perfectly tense and a great match mm-hmm. for David. Like you just had to find somebody who you believe could actually stand a chance. Like you can't just you know cast some no, like, nobody. And the on, on the on the wire, there were like a few scenes where he was shirtless, and you're just like, this dude's physique is like ridiculous. I mean, he's he's like thin, but like muscular in like the whole it's it's crazy that like he's just so type he's always typecast into like a he's a cop or a army sergeant kind of role like he's always like a lead either you know a leader or um you know like law enforcement always yeah and that makes sense i mean he just has that look you know intimidating he's not gonna play like uh i mean he could probably you know obviously pretty good actor but he's not gonna be you know cast in like a romantic comedy or anything (laughs) No, um, but we understand like now, you know, this shit's for real. Like it, they make it to be a very big deal that they're on the way. Um, and then we see Anna and Luke, they're driving and she's talking to Luke about David and is like, look, you know, he's not who he thinks he is. Like I looked up and he's, you know, he's calling this classic surgeon um, basically tells everything to, to her little brother, Luke. And Luke is like not having it. Cause he's, he's sort of like, crushing on david in a way like you know this guy is taking him under his wing and he's stood up for him and he's been taught himself defense and just you know it's probably nice to have another guy in the house that will teach him those things and so i I, you know luke is obviously he does he wants david to be who he says he is and he wants everything to work out because everything's going good for him so um you know luke's in a class and one of the bullies that got their ass beat has this like ridiculous chin bandage on. It's just like 10 layers sick and he has his collar popped and he's clearly, it looks like Jim Carrey and myself and Irene after he has the plastic surgery. (laughs) Yeah. And they, they joke about that too and said they wanted to make it just so over the top, like every stupid bully in every movie where you just wanted to see him get his, um, he's, he's flirting with some girl at the front of the class and comes over he like stab he he like sharpens a pencil and stabs Luke in the back of his neck while he's researching this plastic surgeon. Also uh, like wearing a yellow like satin jacket that was yeah. like that stood out to me for some reason. Yeah. And uh you know, he's looking it up on on from David's phone that number and uh he turns and punches him right in the face. Uh, they have like a, a little scuffle there and then Luke breaks a yardstick over his face like boom this kid is just getting his ass whooped left and right just smoked him too right and I think did the kid uh, drop like a, a homophobic slur yeah him? Like, I called him uh, the the f word yeah and that's that you know if the first time I saw this I'm like oh shit like that's not cool obviously yeah. and uh, but it, it makes sense later because David shows up with uh luke's mom and they talk to the principal and sort of uh david you know obviously controls the conversation which is weird that david shows up at the school anyways he's just like become this like father of the family suddenly and he's going everywhere with mom and with anna and every every, you know he's he's never a moment goes without him being there but he shows up and you know he's he's sort of commends luke for setting up for himself and mm-hmm. he goes and in, goes into the principal's office for a pretty funny exchange where he just like i said takes over the conversation and is like you know i would hate for people to find out that you know your 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 
allowing homophobic like bullies here yeah. you know it's a hate crime sir right <laughs> yeah like and for every time i got you know that like probably either one of us got called that in high school man like <laughs> it was just like the word that was passed around uh, yeah so often and like yeah it's it's ch- times have changed yeah and this is like just 2014 but, yeah i you know, know yeah but still, it's I mean, still... you know, teenagers, teenagers use that, you know, we're adults now, at least, you know, we're in our thirties. Like when we were in our teens, we were probably still using that word somewhat freely. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's, that's real. And they weren't using it like in this movie, they were using it as hate. They were showing like how yeah. mean kids can be and how this guy deserved what he got. So uh, he gets Luke out of like suspension or he gets him only like a Saturday detention or something and basically talks the principal down um, out of him getting into major trouble and goes home. And this is sort of where like the movie ramps up to the third degree, I would say Um, David's out and he's of course helping the mom hang laundry on the clotheslines. And so we sort of see some like dust, being you know kicked up in the distance where the um, agents are coming down and they're coming after David Um, we see them pull into the driveway and there's that scarecrow that we saw I think earlier in the movie with Anna this like scarecrow made of pipes and has like work gloves on it and stuff and that's the exact they they recreated that how from Halloween 4 like the opening sequence of Halloween 4 Mm -hmm. so another strange reference to like a, a sequel you know, mm-hmm. it's like they didn't reference the original Halloween. They wanted re- they wanted to reference Halloween four, which is sort of a fan favorite. But um, they step out and they are all dressed in black and have all these badass weapons. And it's very clear that, you know, oh, shit, like they're after David. But it, to me, it's like this many dudes and with this like much firepower. What is David capable of that? Yeah. we don't know. You know, we've seen him beat up some high schoolers and fuck up some kids, but we haven't seen him go full David. I mean, yet, so. you know, there was the, the the shots. You're like, okay, so I mean, he's got some, you know, like he's he's got definitely got high level training at least, you know, where he can handle that. So I can see how they're, you know, yeah, he's like, we've uh, seen him we've seen him kill. So mm-hmm. let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. listening to the prescribed films podcast network home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment the shows on this network all have a common goal providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media the pfpn hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com thanks for listening So I was listening to the commentary. They sort of talk about how this movie is largely influenced by Terminator and Halloween, but they talked about how this is like an inverted Halloween because with Michael Myers, you have like the faceless shape that's white and it's just sort of like no emotion, no anything. But in this movie, he has like the perfect face and he's the handsome friend who's in the house right next to you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
So that was sort of their analogy on how it was Halloween related. But obviously, you know, he's like a stone cold killer that doesn't show a lot of emotion. But we get this sort of cool slow motion shot of the sheets, like the fresh sheets and clothes on the clothesline blowing in the wind. And the agents are looking for David. They're asking the mom and um, the, yeah, that, the, that breeze that it just makes him appear, you know, like right, he's yeah. in the laundry basket. Yeah. And, and he drops the laundry basket and has a gun like stuck into the back of his pants as you assume he does. And uh, he just starts shooting at the agents um, and all hell bro- breaks loose. This is like the second mm-hmm. major action scene since the bar fight. Um, the agents chase him into the house and they're like jumping through windows and glass shattering everywhere. Um, Yeah. This is like the point where, you know, there's like no going back, but you're also kind of rooting for him because you don't know what this random government agency is doing. Right. Yeah. And, and David's taking them out one by one with shots. And I think he, uh, stabs one in the leg cause he's hiding out underneath Mm -hmm. like a couch and, or a bed or something. And, uh, you know, as he's, as he's taking them all out, he's got down to like a, like maybe one or two of them. Um, there's a really cool scene where he's like doing an army crawl down a hallway and bullets are just flying through the, through like the drywall and exploding mm-hmm. wood. And, and they, that was like this entire movie was actually shot at this house. And they actually, I guess did this um, like the shoot 'em up scene first which seems backwards to me you think they would wait to do that last but they said that they shot up the house first and then reset it all for the rest of the movie Um, (laughs) because they put up like extra fake walls and drywall and stuff and they could you know so they could actually just shoot that and then take those down and the house was still intact underneath so um, but the the scene where he's crawling down the hallway and shit's exploding was done actually on a set so like that that was one particular scene and i guess um he had a stunt double, uh, Dan Stevens did, but he wanted, they, they thought he, he needed to be in the scene where he's crawling down the hallway. Mm-hmm. And he actually like one of the explosions in the hallway shot a, um, splinter into his ear and Ooh. like went through the skin and it was sort of an ordeal. And they were a little worried that, you know, it would be a, a big thing, but it ended up being okay. But then they went back and looked at the shot and you don't even really see his face. So they could have just used the stunt double. <laughs> but, um, and then, you know, David crawls into the kitchen. The mom is like hiding out behind the Island in the kitchen and she grabs the, the phone and she's going to call, I guess the cops or something, but it's like FBI or whoever this agent, not FBI, but this a- agency's already there, which I'm not sure what the local cops would be able to do. But um, he, you know, obviously grabs the phone, doesn't let her call. And this is sort of where he turns like he finally yeah, he has to stab her. He like stabs her in the chest or the stomach. And um, I, I don't know what about that made me think about Terminator 2 at that moment. Like, you know, when uh, John Connor's mom is on the phone, you know, and like uh, she like stabs the her, you know, like boyfriend. Well, you know, the foster parents stabs. But it's actually, you know, the T-1000. Right. For some reason, the knife going like, in, I don't know, like being in the kitchen and the phone being in her hand kind of gave me that feeling. Yeah, what's, what are they saying that? Like, um, how's Wolfie? You know, yeah. how's, he's like, your, your foster your parents, parents are, are dead. dead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a, it, there's so many good memes out there of that one. But um, 
David gets David like escapes the house, uh, gets in the family truck, steals it, and uh, blasts off. You know, in the family truck, and they're in hot pursuit after him. Uh, and this is another rad scene. He's in the truck and he's he's driving down the street, and um, the dad's coming home in his car from work probably, and David like full speed crashes directly head on to head on. Cool right into him and we assume he's gonna he's like dead because it's a nasty crash but he unfortunately lives the, through the crash so david has to go up and shoot him well yeah the the weird part about that is he wouldn't be coming home from his job if david hadn't you know killed the other guy who got the job right yeah yeah and they <laughs> never they never really like go back to that but we uh, assume that's exactly what happened like he killed his boss so his dad mm-hmm. is, and then you know the dad gets an upgrade and and uh a promotion at work but uh they said that they shot this like two or three times the car crashed and the first time the cars like missed and they grazed each other just enough to make put like put big dents in the sides and they're really pissed because that was like a big budget shot in their small budget movie so they had to go back and fix the cars and (laughs) do it again and this still the scene they ended up using they didn't love they wanted to like corner to corner like hit so the back ends would go up in the air and it would be a yeah, really big yeah. car crash but i think this is like uh, i sort of you know this is more of a realistic car crash than what you normally see in movies to me mm-hmm. it felt like like oh, yeah. two cars hit each other and they stop like that's sort of you know it looked to me more real um the, the reminds me of the car crash and um towards the end of no country for old men I, like that one felt real you know right like, everybody was hurt you know and that was kind of like stunning and but it wasn't it wasn't like this car rolling over and it, there was no explosion or anything like that right and it makes it a little more um sort of sad just because he has to, he doesn't kill him and he has to go over and shoot him which is like the bad icing on the cake but um oh. He takes off out of the field like he, he grabs his bag and he runs on foot um, and this stranger shows up to the scene like stumbles upon it and our our agent shows up and he you know apprehends the vehicle takes it um, beats David to the restaurant where Anna's working and uh, and Kristen are working and warns her like look David's on his way like come with me you know very Terminator-esque um, mm-hmm. As he's pulling out of the restaurant with Anna, David pulls right in behind. They somehow barely miss each other. David walks in in this blue minivan, and there's like a a bullet hole in the in the windshield, and there's blood. So uh, yeah, but, yeah, he he blasted the the brains out of whoever he took that from. Right, we don't even see it, but we know exactly what happened, which is sort of cool. Like you know mm-hmm. some somewhere between that field and the restaurant he he stole a car and killed somebody to get it and he's driving a minivan but he this is a rad scene too because he shows up in the restaurant uh and to the diner he questions Kristen on what where where anna is and she's like uh she's not here so he just straight up fucking shoots her point blank which made me think of um assault on precinct 13 when the dude shoots the little girl right in the face like he has yeah. no he at this point he has no remorse so he's just no, you know he's, done. Yeah. he's he's covering his path and uh shoots Kristen right in the face and then he's <laughs> on his way out he pulls those two grenades that we've been uh, wondering and, where he was going to use them and he's got a smile on his face too right he like rolls them like bowling balls into this little <laughs> diner <laughs> where all these like regular midwestern people are and uh 
he just blows the place up and there's this cool shot where he's like getting into the car outside and um it's not a yeah, typical the, the like doors get blown off the diner yeah right and it's not the typical like explosion of fire and the whole roof of the place it like probably is more realistic as to what would happen and they said they used like a an air cannon to blast out the door uh, yeah. to get a more realistic look and um you know it is they he was talking about how he feels really bad like looking back on the dailies and in the movie there's a there's actually a bird flying right by the door as it happens (laughs) and they're like i think we probably killed the bird he's like but i like to think the bird's still alive and he's doing well and he's like yeah i'm in a movie he tells all his friends he's in a movie but um yeah this is when like he blows up the whole place um anna uh and she's anna's with the agent and they're driving away from the scene and they pass like police going the opposite direction. So she's like, Oh shit, what's going on? And the agent's like, your parents are dead. We need to go get your brother. It's like, Oh shit's for real now. Um, so they go to the high school to find Luke where he's working on a haunted house, which is so convenient. (laughs) The maze. It's a maze too. Yeah. And it's amazing. Like, I mean, yeah, it, this is a very, very elaborate maze for a high school. Um, apparently, this maze, outside of a few props and some additions, was actually already a Halloween maze that was built. Um, they just happened to find this near their shooting location, and the people were like, "Yeah, we love horror movies." Like, they're like, "Have you seen? You know, we're, we've just put out a movie called Your Next, and we're you know making this movie." And they were like, "Stoked, of course. You know, you can use our place." So they spruce it up a bit with some stuff, um, but they go looking for Luke and there's like a teacher there that's like, oh, he's in working in the maze. So we get to walk through the maze with them looking for Luke, which, you know, adds to like a horror element to to it. Um, Of course, the lights, you know. Uh, cut out and uh, yeah, D- David the, puts the in the mix. Comes on, yeah. Right. David puts in the mixtape, which is just so funny because it's like, obviously uh, like uh, Adam wanted to, Adam Winger or Wingard wanted to get this music in the movie and he could have just played the music, but he's like, how can I make this practical as if this is actually playing at the place? And so he, David, you know, sort of like the cat and mouse thing plays this mix CD as he hunts them through this maze. And Um, and it wasn't like he just shut off the lights. It was like, you know, like the, the the strobes were going, you know, like all the, all the horror film lights are going. Right. He like the horror or the haunted house lights, I should say are going. Yeah. He basically like made it. I mean, like you, as if you were probably, I assume like when you're walking through that haunt, that's what exactly it would be like. So the fog machines turn on and, like you said, the strobes and everything. And so he's hunting them through this like real live um, haunted house. Uh, and there's a cool little ha- Halloween three reference in this uh, later in, on in the scene, but we see it a little bit here where there's like the big skull pumpkin and witch props. And they said, that's their favorite shot. Like when it pulls out and shows David and the three Halloween icons are sort of in the background with these, like the fog and the lights. It's, it's just a cool scene. But um, there's this really cool sort of Bruce Lee moment where they have this uh, fight in the maze in this mirror room. Yeah. And um, they use (laughs) the the guy that, okay, the teacher from the high school is just flying through the maze because he obviously knows how it goes, you know, and like everybody else is like, well, wait up. Where are you going? Yeah. 
<laughs> and they they sort of referenced or they 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 uh, actually talked about how you know this maze is a little too complicated for like what a real high school like high school kids could put together but they're like we like to think that maybe there was just like this really ambitious drama teacher who got really into prop building and helped them build this and they had a really big budget or something but mm-hmm. um the mirrors actually weren't part of the actual maze when they got there, but the movie transcendence had just filmed in that in um, New Mexico and they were throwing all these mirrors away. So the, the, the crew from the guests took the mirrors and they used, they, they bolted them down like in the morning before the shooting the scene. And it turned out pretty cool. Like, you know, the mirrors in horror have been a reoccurring thing and like i said they used it in uh, i think the game of death with uh, bruce lee there's that yeah. really badass scene where he's you know trying to fight the villain in the maze of mirrors but um david actually kills the agent in the maze so now anna and luke are on their own running away um they get out of the haunted house run th- they're running through the school now and david's after him um they actually changed the script originally there was no haunted house and they were chasing um luke and anna through the actual hallways of the school but this was right around i'm trying to think of which school shooting this was um but it was maybe sandy hook or something but apparently they decided like people don't need to see more like kids getting shot in the hallways of schools like so we're gonna put this in a um haunted house and just haunted houses are fun and more horror related but um it's funny this is this is where i sort of reference talked about the face-off reference where um you know the butterfly knife comes back into play and luke ends up using this he's he's hiding off hiding in the um shadows sort of waiting for david to come through um and anna's pretty smart she sort of leads david uh with like some bloody footprints from the agent and he follows them through the fog. I, I love the part where they just kind of wave their foot over the fog and it just all like parts like the Moses part in the Red Sea, you know? Yeah, they, they talked about that too and how they wrote it like that and they're like, fog does, turns out fog doesn't really do that. It's really, really hard to do that. So in some of that, they had to use just straight up like dry ice. I guess that works a little better. Yeah. But, um, you know, they're they're following her bloody boot prints and eventually uh, he gets to the end of the prints and her, it's just her boots. And so it's not her and she's led him astray and um, she pulls a gun out and shoots David. Uh, he falls into the fog and it's like, oh, he's we know that can't be it. But it's yeah. very, very much like a Halloween Michael Myers moment where the they clear the fog and he's not there, of course. Mm-hmm. Um and then it kicks into the Antonio song, which is my favorite song in the soundtrack. I listen to it all the time. I absolutely love it. But um, this is where he David stabs her in the leg and grabs her and starts to choke her as a fire catches in the background. Um, and then, you know, Luke comes to the rescue and uses the, the same butterfly knife David gave him and sort of taught him how to use um and stabs him right in the back and then he turns over and stabs him once more in the chest and uh it's it's a cool moment because david's sort of proud that luke finally stood up and he's like you know mm-hmm. he sort of smiles and he's like okay you got me like you did it i'm, pr- I'm proud of you 
One of the things that is key in the mo- movie, though, like uh, when uh, he's he's got his, oh god, what's her name? Well, Micah Monroe's character. Um, uh, yeah, Anna. Yeah, Anna. Okay, yeah, uh, and Lance Reddick, um, you know the the government agent. Yeah, he's he's explaining to her like he has a psychological thing where he is programmed to, you know, get rid of all loose ends. Right. So at, at that point, it, you you kind of also like you're like it's not it's not David that's causing these issues. You know, he was programmed by this governmental program. I mean, you know, like he was there that that meeting that Lance Reddick character is sitting in. Uh, the office there and he's like smart, starting to talk about the the future of where the you know soldier could be and then like he gets interrupted it it seems like yeah they they did some very shady moral things um to to david to make him this way and while he had made a promise to caleb to check on the family it's like once they started inquiring about his actual identity, he had to tie up all the loose ends and then like they just start kind of cascading and getting away from him. So while, even though he was trying to kill them and everything, like when he does get stabbed and he's like looking at, uh, looking at him, he's like, good for you. You know, you find a set up and it's like, there, there's still that human side of him inside there, but it just seems like that. Yeah. He's totally effed from whatever has been done to him. Right. Yeah. And that's what a lot of, I think a lot of people were a bit confused on in this one is like, he actually did, he did serve with Caleb. He actually was a soldier. Like there's, he's definitely still human. Um, from, you know, what little, we get little hints here and there as to, you know, something happened to him, which I, I sort of like that. It's a little more ominous. And I'll talk about that after, um, we, we wrap up the, storyline about um where the original script was and what they included and didn't include but this is sort of a cool moment after luke stabs him um he gives him a thumbs up like at the end of terminator 2 which they said was a direct reference like when Mm. arnold's dropping himself into the like (laughs) molten metal and gives the thumbs up it's like the last thing you see that was a direct reference to that um and then of course we get another like horror movie trope where Anna and Luke are in the back of an ambulance and they have blankets over them and they're talking to the EMTs and uh, we see a firefighter uh, sort of limping out with a leg injury that looks an awful lot like David. And I think is it Anna's last line, like what the fuck? Or she says like, yeah. she, she's sort of like, Oh just, shit. Astounded. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh has very much like the Halloween ending where, yeah. um, you know, we know that the, the killer's still out there and they're, you know, I, I don't necessarily want a sequel, but it always leaves it open for that. And, you know, I like to think that Dave is still out there, but like I was talking about earlier, um, the original cut was 20 minutes longer because they, they showed it to a test audience. Um, and, what they did was they had that Richard Carver, the agent and his team at the Peterson home. Um, some of the things they do in the film, they show like more information about the KPG program. Um, just felt like they gave him too much. Like they, I think what they basically did was just sort of told every detail about the, why David is and who he is and stuff. And they wanted to, you know, after the audience was just sort of like, we don't need to know everything. Apparently I think they 
he had like a severe spinal injury or something. And so they were fixing him, I guess. And, um, they, they, when they were fixing him, they like took away things like empathy and they try to take, like make him, um, more of a, like a, a killing machine, I guess. And, you know, he obviously wasn't meant to escape and he did. And, it ended up backfiring on them. But like you said, he still had that human in him. Um, and it's, it's just interesting. Cause you, you want to live it, leave it a little more ambiguous. Like that's, what's sort of cool about the, yeah. you know, the original Halloween and stuff is that we don't necessarily know everything about Michael Myers or why he did what he did. And they obviously mm-hmm. explore that later, but it's sort of more scary, not knowing that kind of stuff, you know? Oh yeah, for sure. Like the, just like a faceless, you know yeah killing machine that is it's like a force that just doesn't stop yeah i mean it's similar kind of thing like it follows you know like it just it's it doesn't stop you know and there's there's no there's nothing you can put on it's like something you just can't even understand you can't fully grasp the concept of yeah yeah and uh (laughs) they they said they cast um dan stevens for david because uh, he's an English actor that was mostly known for Downton Abbey, and they just wanted to pick somebody that their audience most likely, they're like, most horror fans don't, are not going to recognize him from that because they probably don't watch the show. But if somebody happens to see him in that, they'll. it's just such a complete break from his normal character. And uh, they just saw this, you know, potential in him and ended up working out great for them. So... Yeah, like uh, you ever see the apostle with him in it? Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think. Someone, someone I really like directed that too. Um, another oh good director. God, yeah, I but, just looked it up, but I forgot. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I really I saw that one on. I think it's a Netflix original. It's pretty good. Um, but yeah, Dan Stevens. He was in the new Dave Franco movie, The Rental, which was really good too, and. I really like him and this role is really cool. I just, this movie is so weird all over. Um, it feels, it, it's not quite a horror movie. It's more of an action thriller, but it has mm-hmm. a lot of horror movie elements. And that's sort of the thing, like the original Terminator, a lot of people, you know, it's, it's considered an action movie, but it's really a slasher with a gun. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's just, I, you know, going around murdering everybody in his path to get to one kid or, or one or Sarah Connor in the first one. So, the Apostle was directed by the same guy that did The Raids, Gareth. Uh, Gareth Evans. Evans. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that makes uh, sense. And that was the, that was the thing is like, I watched that expecting the raid. Oh, it is completely, <laughs> completely different. Yeah. So not, it's dude. a very long uh, drama. Yeah it's, a, yeah. it's more of a slow. Yeah. Slow like burn. A, yeah. Like, it, yeah, the intensity builds towards the end of that. But yeah, but no, that's another thing I liked about your next is that it was like a combination of everything. You know, there was action in it, there was suspense. There was... And a lot of humor in both of them. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and there's also a scene in the haunted house when they're walking through and your next is um, written on the wall in blood, which is sort of cool. Another <laughs> direct reference to their movie. <laughs> and they're, they're, they were like, we hope, that really hope. Very direct. Yeah. They're like, I really hope, you know, it does well. Cause we're putting it in this movie and they're like, ah, oh, well, you know, it's all good. And <laughs> didn't do so well, but, uh, you know, this, I think this movie did pretty well for 
the budget it had. It had a very small budget, and like I said, it played at some festivals. And they actually Adam uh, Adam Wingard wanted to put the Canon logo right in the first like seconds of the movie, like when all the um, producer logos pop up. You know, it's always like mm-hmm. this studio, that studio, and every time you watch an indie movie, there's twenty of those um, yeah. logo screens. They really wanted to put a Canon one up because Canon pictures is like notorious for a lot of crazy balls to the wall action movies in the eighties, like uh, death wish three and Texas Chainsaw Massacre two. And um, just notorious, like a, one of those. Yeah. Like fan favorite, right. Fan favorite cult uh, distributors. And the, the producers that actually made the movie were like, we get what you want, but dude, like we are the ones that paid for this. What do you want to put Canon's logo? And he's like, well, Canon doesn't exist anymore. And they're like, yeah, but like we paid, we, we invested in this movie. Like you're going to put our logos in there. And he's like, well, yeah, we'll put your logo in there too, but I want Canon's first. And they're like, no, like <laughs> they're, they're, he, he like really expected them to like track down the rights and figure out how to get the Canon logo right front and center. And, uh, he's like that was a that quickly got nixed but he's like if i ever did a director's cut i would somehow sneak the canon logo right front and center just to make it feel like a canon picture but um yeah what did you think of this movie did you enjoy it oh yeah i, I yeah i enjoyed it like i mean um yeah i i enjoyed it because it was entertaining i mean like from from beginning to end it was entertaining like there's always something to be said for that like uh there you know there are points there, there were things, you know, that weren't necessarily to my taste with, I don't know, like, you know, when you think about it, but, uh, you know, it doesn't, didn't necessarily have the depth of, uh, but yeah, that you're look that I look for in like, you know, like high quality, like when I'm like talking about like favorite movies, but that's what was also awesome about this is that you didn't have to like look for that depth, you know, they didn't have to think too hard about it. It was, Right, it's just shut your brain off and yeah, shut yeah. your brain off and watch it for an hour. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's those are the every once in a while. You, I mean, not every once in a while. Like that's fifty percent of the movies I like to watch. Is you know, there's the ones that are like cerebral. There's the ones that are crazy. There's the ones that, but then there's those ones that you just you know, like Gone in sixty seconds is like right in that. You know, like it's like oh, look at cars and listen to these sounds. You know, like don't pay too much attention to the acting or the plot, but you know, like it's so much fun. You know, right. like this this one is a lot a lot like that you know the the acting was good the 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 plot was de- decent you know there's definitely some things that like you could tell it was low budget and you could tell that they probably would have taken a couple more tries at certain scenes if they either had the time or the money to do it but you know that that's fine you know that's it's a good movie regardless and it's it makes you appreciate what they were able to get out of what little resources they had yeah yeah i I, you know i like the combination of course i'm a huge like i said a huge fan of the soundtrack i was introduced to a lot of weird music through this and i think they actually talked about the girl that played uh kristen in the movie uh she was really into like um electronic music and and goth music and so she actually introduced uh adam to some of that stuff so uh he there was a few like really obscure uh like german bands he wanted to put in to the movie and they couldn't even like find the rights to them to even start to figure out where to go so uh he had to switch the music in some of the scenes but i i love the music in this one and 
it's just a really weird movie like if i'm in a certain mood to watch it i i love to play it but like i'll have to have you back on with some you know a24 artsy bullshit too because uh we both love that kind of stuff too oh yeah yeah. Uh, something dark something dark and dreary you know <laughs> just something awful the, the, the next safferty brothers movie yeah yeah you know uh i know you like the doom and gloom stuff too and i was actually thinking like have you i was like man i wonder if noah's seen super dark times because i was just thinking about that today yeah dude i I think i I think i watched it before you did yeah and uh i I remember getting that on on demand like the first like weekend i could yeah and like you know that kind of stuff is what i associate with you too so um you know sometime we'll have to do one of those too and and do a real serious dark uh sad movie and and make fun of it for an hour and a half but uh, <laughs> i i have some sad documentaries if you want to if you want to do that i don't know man uh, <laughs> i know <laughs> we just watched one that was like about a kid getting molested at, like and like his parents were documentary filmmakers so like the people who molested him were like in the like his childhood films like it's like uh, oh my god this is rough yeah, I don't think that's that's going to be a fun one to uh, no, no. do, but eventually I'm going to run into something like I, I uh, the episode will already be out by the time this one's dropped. But I had um, Emily Stutzman and Jennifer Johnson watch Greasy Strangler and we recorded <laughs> and I was like, I wonder if they'll ever talk to me again. And they had a blast with it. So oh, yeah, yeah. that was OK. But, um, you know, eventually I'm going to either suggest something that someone really hates and they're just going to trash it for, you know, an hour or, yeah. um, or Ooh. someone's going to do the same for me. Cause I, I'm doing the other way too. I'm going to have people recommend things for me for I, the first time. And have Kenny recommend you a movie. Cause Kenny's movies taste is just like every like bad movie has been like Kenny's recommendation. Actually. Yeah. I've, I talked to Kenny last week and we we're supposed to record, but, um, he doesn't have power or internet yet. So, Oh, well, thanks. Kim Reynolds. Yeah, exactly. He's, <laughs> he, he has a movie in mind. I won't reveal it, but, um, it's actually, I, I haven't, I haven't seen it. I had him recommend me something cause I knew I would have a hard time finding something he didn't already see. Um, and I, and I would not even know where to start to pick something for Kenny that he'd like, because I feel like uh, he would probably hate anything that I suggested. So uh, he has one that I've, that's like a classic that I haven't seen that's on in the Criterion collection and he loves. Okay. So I think it's, it's going to be a quality movie. Uh, so like a full, no, never mind. Yeah. You're not going to reveal it, but yeah. Yeah. It's all good. Um, it's not that any, I, I, no one that listens has probably seen it either and even knows what it is so it's not like it's a big reveal but um yeah it's it's just something that's been missing it I, i'm using this podcast also to fill in some of the holes that i'm missing because i haven't seen everything either so um it's a good excuse for me to see some classics and i had somebody already suggest like they're gonna suggest a book for me which is just awful um there's another guest who is wants me to take a jujitsu class because he's an mma fighter i'm like what have I got myself into? I'm like, can I just set up the record while I'm out of breath while guys choke me out and that will be the episode? You know, be like some ASMR. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, best of luck to you on this. But you've, I mean, you've suggested some, you've, you've shown me some movies over the years. You were like, you know, hey, I checked, have you seen this? And I hadn't even heard of things. And it's like, oh yeah, you know, uh 
several times that you've recommended some things I really enjoyed. Especially, I mean, you like a lot of documentaries and uh, yeah, yeah. and like I said, we have similar tastes. So I knew, you know, I'd find something. I, this is necessarily something that was at the like instantly reminded me of you, but I knew you'd dig it and yeah. it'd be easy to watch on an afternoon and talk about for a little bit. And Oh yeah. Um, for sure. I, like you do a good job of like, just sending me like, Hey, there's this movie that's extremely depressing. You'll probably love it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, I'm glad to have you on. I'm glad you enjoyed uh, the guest. Did you have any last thoughts? Um, no, it's, it's like an hour and a half past my bedtime. Okay. <laughs> just me, but no, yeah. no, that's good. You know, uh, as we wrap this up, uh, thanks again for coming on. Um, yeah, like I said, me, I'll, I'll have to have you back on, or maybe if you think of something that you've seen, like that's not about um, kids, <laughs> and it's dark and depressing. Uh, let me know, and we can we can jump on again. And I have a oh, feeling sure I have a feeling you're going to be a guest on here several times over. So there's something I'm sure there's something from my childhood that like that I was forced to watch like through like my parents or something that you haven't watched. Oh yeah. I'm we're, I'm going to get my siblings on here and yeah. we're going to, we're going to talk about the weird stuff we grew up watching. Like <laughs> my, I, I don't know my, Ernest my, goes to jail. my dad's taste, just some of the stuff <laughs> I'm going to re- force them to rewatch things. We haven't watched in 20 years and it's going to be, Oh yeah. I mean, Walk Like a Man is like the one that we watched a lot for some reason. Have you heard of that one? Um, I probably have seen it actually. Howie Mandel is raised by wolves. Yes, yes. Yep. Yeah. I, I yeah, I don't know that I've seen it in a long time, but I do remember it. Yeah. I remember yeah, that, that's that's a whole different podcast, but um I remember that was a big staple in my childhood and then when I uh started dating Nikki, I was like, "Have you heard of this movie?" She's like, no, it sounds like you're making that up. And we watched it and she's like, why, why did somebody make this? Like a woman falls in love with a dog, man. I'm like, yep. <laughs> yeah. It's really a strange, strange movie, but uh, we watched that and like a lot of earnest stuff, um, just weird stuff growing up. So it'll be interesting to hear what my brother and sister remember from our childhood. A lot of, a lot of stuff I was introduced to probably more so than anybody from my brother, just because when you have an older brother, you know, he oh, watched yeah. a lot of stuff and I just was forced to watch what he watched. So, Oh yeah. I know that. All right. Well, thanks uh, again for, for jumping on. We'll try to actually end this podcast and um, I'll talk to yeah. you soon. Noah, have a good night. All right. yeah, good night. Thank you for listening to the first time podcast. Please remember to subscribe on Apple podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to the great podcasts. Thanks to Scott Schreiner of Weezer for our intro and outro music. And last but not least, remember to leave us a review. That's how we get listeners. So like, share, find us on social media, and let us know what you think. We'll see you next time on First Time Podcast.